If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. You're with Lembit Opic on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good morning to you if you're in the United Kingdom. Four minutes past seven at Greenwich Mean Time. That's four minutes past six for Sydney and Melbourne. Wherever you are in the world, you're most welcome to the Lebedopic Show here on TNT Radio, the home of free speech. If you want to get involved, let's get this going first and foremost. Join the chat at tntradio.live. Couldn't be simpler. Uh, an awful lot of debate goes there that we don't have time to report, uh, but you can follow it. And I think you get the best experience if you see the chat as well as listening and watching the show. Uh, also, you can phone in. If there's something on your mind, get it off your chest by picking up the phone. You'll find those numbers on our website too. Very good to see you today. Uh, coming up in this packed show today, uh, we will, as ever, have Gemma Cooper, fellow TNT presenter from the United Kingdom, with her unique and erudite take on what's going on around the world. Uh, then we go across to India to speak to Sanat Kal, who is the chair of the International Foundation for Aviation and Drones. And we're discussing with him the recurring theme of COP28. What's COP28? It's a huge, big environment crisis conference taking place in the United Arab Emirates, which uh, the UAE itself has chosen to make a shop window for selling oil. We found out this morning, in fact, about an hour ago, that there are over 2,000 delegates there from the oil industry making the most of the opportunity to sell oil to the world. Something I happen to agree with, by the way. Uh, If the COP28 is to be any use at all, It's to mean that we sensibly manage our use of fossil fuels, not that we eliminate them. Uh, Come back to that in a short while. Uh, Marcus Blaze joins us after that. He's Clients Director for a wealth management company, and he'll be talking about the commentary of both the Chancellor of the Exchequer in the United Kingdom and also the leader of the opposition, Keir Starmer, the man who would be Prime Minister who seems to be telling us he's not going to be able to fix the economic problem so fast after all. Well, Marcus Blaze will tell us how bad is it, Doc, and whether any politician can pull Britain out of what uh, many people feel is a nosedive economically uh, to a period of uh, austerity, that word again. Uh, Then we speak to Laura Aboli about something which has always interested me and worried me too, uh, the question of trans humanism. What is that? Well, she'll be explaining it, what it is, and why we should be worried about that. All of it coming up with me in this hour. If you've got anything to say about transhumanism, the dire state of the British economy, or indeed the hypocrisies, the contradictions of having 70,000 people all flying, flying, mind you, to the United Arab Emirates to tell us not to fly, then go to our website. That's tntradio.live, and you can have your say there. Uh, also, you can phone in. As I say, you'll find the numbers there. I won't read them out. You'll, you'll find them very easily there. Uh, right. A couple of things I want to talk about. First of all, in terms of COVID, this has to be the hypocrisy of the century. Turns out 11,000 politicians and elites received an exemption for the COVID vaccination. Uh, that is described as shocking. I presume that is uh, in... Uh, uh, in, in Australia. I haven't had a chance to look at the great details there. But the fundamental point here is while telling all of us to jab ourselves with what turned out to be toxic for many people, including myself, by the way, they all have their exemptions. Well, how can you take it seriously if the people who are preaching to us to jab ourselves with these barely tested vaccines don't want to use them themselves? 
What is the lesson for the future when we get the next pandemic, the next lockdown, the next jab in the arm, apparently for our own good? Uh, it's a real shocking story. I'm going to look at that and I hope to return to that later on in the week. Uh, then elsewhere, we've got uh, all kinds of issues going on. Uh, there's a, as you probably heard, there's a blame game going on about Ukraine. Now, remember, that's the war that everyone was interested in before the world's media focused on Israel and Gaza. Well, it's not so fashionable to talk about Zelensky because, let's face it, he's a bit boring now, isn't he? He's not really doing very well. And America is more or less saying they're running out of money, which basically means they probably don't think there's an electoral benefit in helping moaning Vladimir Vladimir, sorry, Zelensky uh, anymore, uh, not least because he doesn't seem to be making much progress. It was meant to be a quick in and out job. It hasn't turned out to be that. When's the last time you saw a main, major story about what's going on in the Ukraine? So if you've got something to say on any of those, then let me know. Uh, I'll try and get as many of these stories covered as I can during this week. But once again, go to tntradio.life. That's where you'll find the chat. That's where you'll find the numbers. Uh, coming up in a moment, we've got Gemma Cooper here in the United Kingdom. I'm Lemma Topic. This is TNT Radio. Connecting the dots, painting the bigger picture. They always have great conversation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Gemma, good morning. It turns out good you morning. weren't the only person who, were railing, who was railing against the vaccines. Turns out 11,000 politicians and elites also got an exemption, but they weren't walked out of their job. How does that make you feel? Well, I think vindication is the word that's being used more and more and more in relation to everything that went on over the last three and a half years. I mean, we've just had the New Zealand whistleblower arrested, haven't we, mm. for releasing the data showing the clusters yeah. of death around certain batches of vaccines in New Zealand. Everyone's rushing to say, oh, we can debunk this. It's false figures. It's false data, all this kind of stuff. And yet he's still been arrested. So they're clearly rattled. Uh, and that man deserves a medal. He will go down in history as a brave, courageous spiritual warrior fighting for truth and putting himself at considerable personal risk. And uh, quite a lot of outlets are now talking about this mainstream as well as alternative. And it was James Freeman on the Freeman Report that broke this story here last week, uh, here on TNT Radio with Liz Gunn from New Zealand. So, you know, this, this kind of um, relentless tide of information that proves that we were right, it is vindicating. It does put us in the right. But at the same time, it's desperately sad because of all the people, yourself included, that lined up to have this thing stuck in their mm. arm and, and are now either dead or, or, or irrevoc irrevocably damaged. But this whistleblower who can prove that with his data in New Zealand, I just think what an amazing man. And I hope that he's st stood up and done the right thing. I hope other people in government departments around the world who can see the real truth now start to stand up as well. And it's not just a few of us at the start, you know, it's, it's now everybody does their bit. And, and you put your finger on the button there, Gemma. If his data wasn't terribly damaging to the state, they wouldn't be trying to shut him up. They'd simply say, he's a crank. Listen to him if you want, but he's nuts. But instead, they want to silence him. Because when you lift the veil of this, the level of hypocrisy and maybe some even more sinister intent makes us very worried about what they were really planning and what we we're really intending. But as you say, the gaff has been blown, as we say, in the United Kingdom. And it's very unlikely that a lot of people will just lie down on the bench and take the injection. I, for one, will never use them again. Anyway, you probably didn't want to talk about that. What's on your mind? Well, it's a very interesting story. Uh, it, it's a result of what uh, the Deputy Prime Minister said in the House of Commons yesterday afternoon. But unsurprisingly, this story in the UK has been picked up by many, many outlets. And it does beg the question, uh, what do they know 
is coming that we don't because there are a lot of headlines this morning saying don't panic but uh, British people and British households should stock up on candles, battery-powered radios, torches, and all of those kind of things that probably you and I, when we were kids, remember our mums and dads hiding under the stairs with. Um, we need to stock up on all these basics in case of a, a catastrophic event that could t- uh, cripple digital gadgets. And now last week in the UK, I discussed this on a, on another show, actually, with uh, Open Line with Rick and Natalie. Um, uh, we had a warning here in the UK about what to do in a quote-unquote radiation emergency. They didn't say nuclear bomb. They said radiation leak maybe from a nuclear power plant or a radiation leak uh, if nuclear waste was being transported on the roads. But we had all these warnings about what to do in a radiation emergency. Now we've got the deputy PM warning us uh, what to do in in the event of a major event that would cripple the internet and see our power collapsing. Now they're taking this so seriously that they're launching an official, what they're calling a government resilience website, They're launching that in 2024 in a few weeks' time, and that will offer advice on how to prepare for natural disasters, pandemics, mm, uh, cyber attacks, and terrorism. And what the Deputy Prime Minister said is, he said, any one of these events could happen tomorrow. And you're like, what do they know that we don't? They're standing up in the Houses of Parliament, parliamentary privilege, to tell us to stock up to prepare for one of these events. They're launching a government website at considerable cost, to tell us what to do in the event of one of these events. Uh, and uh, it worries me because <laughs> they clearly know something's coming. This isn't this isn't kind of being done for window dressing. They clearly know something's up. And he's saying that as a society, we have changed drastically from 20, 30 years ago. I would attest to that, and I'm sure you would as well. I remember the days pre-internet. And he's saying we 20 or 30 years ago, we all kept candles and torches under the stairs in the event of a power cut. And now we're too reliant on the internet and we would be stuck in an information vacuum if the worst should happen. I would argue probably that's quite a nice place to be, actually. Ignorance <laughs> is bliss. Let the bomb come and drop on your house and you're done with it. But I just, it's in a lot of the papers today. And I thought we can't ignore this one because the Deputy Prime Minister saying we need to prepare for one of these things and it could happen tomorrow. You're like, oh, here we go again. Something's coming. The There's a mishmash of possibilities. One is when they say natural disasters, that they want to keep the the screw on us in terms of the non-existent climate crisis as we see the UAE COP28 conference about the environment just discrediting the entire debate. I noticed that they forced the president of COP28 to now claim that he does think that there's a climate emergency, but he doesn't really want to say that. So that's one possibility. The other possibility is that they really want to be in a position where they can lock us down, having done the experiment fairly successfully with COVID, or there's this third possibility. Estonia, the land of my parents, uh, it was actually paralyzed by a cyber attack once, quite effectively. Maybe they know it's going to happen again. But you know, there's an irony here. Uh, We virtually battle with China, we run it down, but we're totally dependent on Chinese technology. I don't for a moment imagine that the Chinese... uh, are unable to access uh, the equipment. This is what makes our our warring tendencies in Britain so preposterous, Gemma. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots to this story, but the, the, I think the main theme, though, still is um, that they are clearly preparing us for something. Uh, mm-hmm. What that something is, I don't think they would play the pandemic hand again so uh, swiftly. Although I am seeing more and more headlines in UK papers now about this mystery Chinese virus, this pneumonia-like mm-hmm. virus spreading its way across Europe like an advancing army. There are more and more headlines about that. Uh, I don't think that they would try it again as swiftly. I think people have realized that it was a scam. It was a PSYOP. Um, but they clearly saying, you know, cyber attacks, uh, natural disasters. I mm. mean, there's all, all the headlines about Sellafield, the nuclear power station that was hacked into in the last 24 hours. So they clearly are worried about something or they're clearly engineering something. However, I don't think politicians in the House of Commons, you're kind of common or garden lay politician who's kind of in the system, but not really. I don't think they know a great deal. I think they're told what mm. to do from on high. But whoever's told them to do this, I mean, I watch with interest this government resilience website when it's launched in 2024, just, you know, three and a half weeks time. It'd be interesting to see what's on there and whether people like us who are a bit more switched on and certainly our listeners who are very switched on can kind of read between the lines and think, oh, uh, you know, that, that, that indicates there's X is on the way. Um, personally, myself, since 2020, I have kept a big stockpile of candles, batteries. I had tinned goods in the in the garage. Um, I had all sorts of stuff in 2020 because I did think, blimey, this is it. This is this dystopian future I've been hearing about and reading about it for a few years. And it didn't quite happen. But that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Uh, this time around, though, I think it would definitely be more of a battle between them. And uh, us. Yeah, I, I, I think so. My, my main worry is that they don't know what they're doing themselves, actually. Um, one of the ironies is if there actually is something happening, uh, they've told us to uh, to computerize everything, to go smart with everything. But millions of smart meters just for things like electricity and gas, they don't work. So we've more or less said we'll make ourselves completely vulnerable to any attack and here we go. Or alternatively, the whole thing is another psyop where that dark sort of Cold War fear is being evoked uh, because they sense that they're losing control. Um, one thing I noticed when I was an MP was how many politicians were willing to be totally authoritarian and, and just simply take away our freedom uh, and, and always think, well, it's worth it. I know there's a freedom issue here, then, but, but we've got to protect the public from themselves by and large uh you that's a good that's a grim start <laughs> to the my day Gemma <laughs> but the people need to know and you heard it first here at TNT radio Gemma thank you um how do you feel about this uh lots of uh lots of concerns Holly says smart meters are there so that you can they so that they can turn you off you're right uh if we run out of power they can simply shut down your power supply just because of their stupid policies about the the green energy agenda. We haven't got a green grid, folks. We're not going to get a green grid, folks. So therefore, every time we overload it with all of our stupid um, uh, electric vehicles and so on, uh, they can they can shut us down. And uh, Lozzie's saying, I've been prepping since I watched American Preppers years ago. Mm, thanks for that. And uh, just one more. Um, uh, Okay, that's about something else. Uh, And this one here, uh, Kevin, this is their way to get us to eat crickets and insects. That's probably true as well. If you've got a view, uh, share it on the uh, uh, tntradio.live chat or phone in as well. I want to know your points of view. Coming up next, we're going to go back to COP28 and speak to Indian uh, uh, Chair of the International Foundation for Aviation and Drones, Sanat Kaul, about why 
It's a little bit contradictory to tell everyone to cut back, but only after the first worlds become the first world. All of that with me, Len Botopic, here on TNT Radio. Pervoy Morich on TNT Radio. From June 2012, the BBC, Tony Blair ID cards needed to tackle illegal migrants. Uh, of course, that was 2012. Those ID cards today are is, is digital ID. And uh, Majid Nawaz, among others, he, he says, globalist surrogates pretending to be right, populist right-wing influencers against Muslims and immigration are leading you into a trap. It was these very same globalists who opened our borders as part of their plan after invading multiple countries in your name. And of course, it's the same false flag for they're creating the problem intentionally because they have a solution that they want for us. So, you know, they got the solution, which is, you know, dystopia. Uh, and then they figure out, okay, what problems can we create to, to get where we want to go? So we want this algorithm ghetto. How do we get it? Flood in illegal migrants get rid of law and order, and the solution is going to be the algorithm ghetto. And we're already seeing signs of that. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk She used to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. It sounds pretty good. It's it like, sounds real, it's dude. Not bad, huh? This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Uh, Good morning to you from the UK. Good evening if you're in Australia. Good afternoon if you're in Perth, uh, to be precise. Lemadopic here uh, for this hour. Uh, I've just been talking with Gemma Cooper about a rather ominous warning which Gemma has highlighted from the House of Commons, no less. More or less, be prepared for dark times ahead. Uh, Gemma, I just wanted to explore this a little bit more with you because this reminds me of how I felt at the height of the Cold War when we kept being told that the Reds are coming, that Russia's going to invade Britain and everything else, and all kinds of very dark uh, programs and and bits of advice like Protect and Survive and a really dark film, The War Game, uh, were put out there. Are we being told again that there's a threat because there is one or because it's a control mechanism? I know we don't know for sure, but what would you guess? I think a bit of both, actually. I mean, fear is the biggest currency in control, isn't it? If you get people frightened and, and traumatized, they're very easy to manipulate. But clearly, there's money being thrown at this, uh, you know, the creation of a new government website. They don't come cheap. So I think that they do know that there's some, something potentially brewing. I mean, the cyber attack on the, on the nuclear power plant here in the UK in the last 24 hours proves that it is possible um uh, but whether it's it's kind of which card are they going to put out of the box will it be a terrorist attack will it be 
uh, cyber? Will it be pandemic? I very much doubt that, actually. Um, or will it be a natural disaster? All of which come straight out of the globalists' playbook. So I think there's an element of two things. I mean, clearly their intelligence indicates something, or it's right at the top of the tree, the top of the table, the top of the elites. They're engineering something, and then they're just dripping it down to the various government departments. What would be interesting, actually, is to see if uh, there is similar procedures happening now in Australia and the US, whether their governments are now saying to the people, you kind of need to get ready for something. We don't know what it is. It's going to be like really bad. And, you know, get your candles, get your torches as if these things are going to save you. Um, but, you know, I'd be interested. I might go away and do a little bit of digging to find out if Australia and America are kind of following suit on the British government, because it wouldn't be something a natural disaster is very unlikely just to affect the UK. Um, but yeah, fear. That's how they got us last time. I'm not so sure so many of us are prepared to be frightened the next time, standing in your own personal sovereignty. Once you've done it once, it becomes easier every single time somebody tells you what to do. You can just go, nah, I'm not going to do it, mate. Cheers. Have a nice day. And you realize you drop the fear. It feels good. No one's got authority over you. It feels good. It feels good. Um, well, unless it's your boss here at TNT Radio. He's got authority over me. I can tell you that one. <laughs> <laughs> second that emotion. Lozzie says, uh, really referring to flu scam demics. I don't think we'd want to be living on a prison planet anyway. Lodzi adds, let me out. And Holly says, uh, quiet must keep it going. And good morning to you, Maz, as well. And then uh, Malibite says, that's true bonus, but we can at least have some fun on our journey. That's what's missing now. We live under a culture of fear. Whatever is planning is being planned. We live under a culture of fear, but we're told our children will die from pneumonia from China. Our grandparents will die from a fancy flu from China again. Uh, the Russians are coming uh, with their nuclear weapons. Uh, the Chinese are going to cyber attack us. It's an extremely dark, I think the right word is dystopian mindset. Whatever happened to getting on with people, which I find works quite well, though sometimes you get ripped off. You go to bed at night not feeling someone's going to stab you. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, having fun and enjoying the journey. I remember, you know, I remember the 1980s and the Cold War vividly. Um, you know, I was at secondary school and I remember all the films. I remember Threads, which was the BBC drama about a nuclear bomb being dropped on a city in the north of England. I remember all of it. There's a film come out of America the day after tomorrow, I think it was called, with Jason Robards about a nuclear war. Everything was nuclear war, nuclear war. And I remember being terrified in the 1980s, along with many of my school friends, mm. you know, protect and survive, take the doors off the walls, hide under the table in the event of a nuclear attack. It was being absolutely drummed into us. And I was absolutely terrified. This time around, as a grown woman in midlife, I think, you know what, if it happens, it happens. Well, it's not going to suddenly, the bombs aren't suddenly not going to fall because I'm standing there saying, stop, go away. It's, you know, mm. so just, you've got to kind of resign yourself to it. It, enjoy your life no matter what in the face of it. It's, I, I quoted Rudyard Kipling a few weeks ago, didn't I? That poem, If. If you can keep your head when all around you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, you're a solid person, you know? And that's what we need to do. We need to keep our head. We need to try and have a laugh because staying joyful, happy and creative is the weapon in our armory that those psychopaths at the top of the table, they don't have. They don't possess those things. They've been drummed out of them from a very, very young age by quite brutal methods. Us at the bottom... We're alive. We can have a laugh. We can talk to each other. It's it's a weapon we should use. I don't even use the word weapon. It's a, it's a skill. It's a life skill, a considerable one that we need to employ more and more every day because it's very easy to get down the doom and gloom route. Very easy. 
very easy. Our brains are hardwired to look for threat. But if we can but, stay sane and stay happy, we're winning. Listeners are, are getting very involved in this, Gemma. Let me read some of the messages. Uh, Lozzie says, sit back and enjoy the show. Yeah, I do feel it's just that there with popcorn on top of a mountain waiting for it to happen. That's a little bit like Dr. Strangelove. It's, if you haven't seen the film, I recommend. Holly says, I'm going for false flag terror attack plus cyber all created. Uh, Lozzie adds, cyber attack total and uh, a grid shutdown, food supply shortage, I reckon. And just a bloke who asked questions says, I remember those days, Lambert, and the advice to crawl under your desk at school in the event of nuclear war. That's right, because your desk will protect you from the blast. <laughs> there's there's this uh, film called uh, Atomic Cafe, which was about this, which I remember seeing in the 1980s. And it basically stapled together lots of public information films and this song called Duck and Cover, which means when you hear the siren, sit under your desk at school and duck and cover. You'll be all right. Won't be a problem after that. And then the war game, which I think was banned initially when it came out. I think it was in 1965 because it was regarded as so frightening to the public. They didn't want to use it. And I do remember Threads as well. Such a dark, dark film where people escaped the war, but the whole thing was, sorry, it survived nuclear attack and the whole thing was so dark. But as I said before, I don't understand any politician who pretends we have future-proofed ourselves from these wars. Because if we have the equipment from our putative enemy, and I don't think of China as an enemy myself, China, and we depend on it, all they have to do is, is turn something off, and it's all over. The phones, anything. So perhaps it would be just better for us to get a little bit... Um, just a little bit more friendly to the people we think are our enemies, Gemma. Yeah, that never does any harm, actually, in, in any life circumstance. Make friends with your enemy. Try and understand where they're coming from. I don't think the majority of the Chinese people are the enemies of, of the UK people. I think the Chinese people are living as oppressed lives. as We are much more oppressed lives than we are, and that's the way we're heading, the 99% of us, if we're not careful. Uh, it's it's really the 1% or the 0.1% of the, the, the issue in our society, not other people. Um, but yeah, you're quite right about turning mm. things on and off and, and escaping back to a more analog way of life. I long to do that every single day anyway. Mm. I remember a day before the internet, I used to work on newspapers in a day when newspapers were the only currency of information in the morning. Nobody had a smartphone. It's back in the 1990s. And I, I don't really care that I'm showing my age on this. Um, and those days were nicer and simpler. But the irony is, of course, you and I are communicating now through a digital yeah. screen in different studios here at TNT. We're very lucky to be broadcasting globally 24-7, but we can only do that thank you to the power of the internet and technology. So it is a double-edged sword, and we're all reliant. You know, people on the chat are coming in from all over the world on digital mm -hmm. technology. So what do we do? This love affair, this hatred that we all have with it, we need it, do we? I don't know. I don't have the answers to this one. This is the biggest issue. We are reliant on this technology, and even the UK government saying, oh, we, you know, we are a bit too kind of smart orientated, get some candles and stock up on torches. I mean, I think that's too much the other way. But it is illustrated mm -hmm. by how many people want to go off grid. You know, people want to escape it, but there's nowhere to really go. Not in the UK anyway. There's nowhere to really go. Uh, I'll tell you one thing I'm getting in three days' time. An analog wood burner where you put stuff in and you light it and it can't be switched off with a smart meter. Maybe my whole family will be huddled around that with the lights off. But then we can sing Christmas carols. 
because my kid knows Christmas carols. That's what we'll do. Gemma, thanks very much indeed. How do you feel about what you've heard? Is this depressing you? Are we basically better forewarned and therefore forearmed? Are we making much ado about nothing? Well, I do feel concerns because I don't like it when politicians wave fists at powerful enemies instead of offering the hand of friendship. It always seems to work better for me because to use a phrase from one of my favorite songs, the Russians love their children too. Coming up next, uh, we're going to be talking about similar dark themes, uh, but hopefully with the spirit of enlightenment. All of that with me, Len Topic here on TNT Radio. Okay, everybody listen up. Big news. Big news. Now, TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. There were extraordinary scenes out of the US Monday night where a house exploded into a fireball during a police operation. US Senator Lindsey Graham has once again come under fire, this time for shrugging off the mounting civilian death toll in Gaza. And the families of the hostages who remain in Gaza are demanding a meeting with Israel's war cabinet, saying not enough is being done to bring their loved ones home. Here's a bushfire fact. Bushfires can occur without warning. So if you're traveling during bushfire season, here are three simple steps to remember. One, check the fire danger rating before you go. The higher the fire danger rating, the more dangerous the conditions. It may be safer to replan your trip. Two, think about the area you're going to and what you would do if a fire started. How would you escape the area if you needed to? And where would you go? Check if there's a neighbourhood safer place. 3. It's dangerous to drive through smoke or fire. If you can't find a way to avoid the fire, park in a cleared area, face the car towards the fire and turn the engine off. Then lie on the floor and cover yourself to protect yourself from radiant heat. Live bushfire ready. For more helpful tips, visit myfireplan.com.au today. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Greetings, one and all. Lembertopic here on TNT Radio, the home of free speech. We've just been talking about the dark dystopian warnings coming out from the British government. Get ready for... For what? Well, the uh, chat's gone crazy on this one. Just a bloke who asked questions says, it's a war of attrition and the enemy is your government. Mm. That sounds like a good line for a film, to be honest with you. Uh, Mogton says, last thing they want is people getting on with each other. It's all about negative energy. These people feed on it. And uh, Holly says, it was duck and cover, wasn't it? It was ridiculous. No war with China. Uh, completely absurd, just fake news, real wars like the problem with Israel and Hamas by the innocent civilians is the issue. Uh, thank you for that. And just one more, Malibite says, they keep trying to divide us, but if every day we all try to do something nice for someone, they will never beat us. That's what we're trying to do here at TNT Radio, call out the lies, share the facts as best we can see them, and fundamentally give you the chance to develop your opinions from a position of information. That's the war of freedom of speech that we're fighting on your behalf here at TNT Radio. And somebody else who's very much a, a front runner in this is Steve Kirsch, who joins us now. He's entrepreneur, COVID-19 data-driven treatment proponent, and someone who can tell us more about Barry Young, the whistleblower, who exposed New Zealand's 
well, pretty much lethal vaccine data. Uh, uh, Steve, thanks very much for joining us on TNT Radio. Thanks. It's good to be here. Let's get back to this uh, massive data breach as far as the establishment is concerned. What, in simple terms, has Barry Young managed to show? He has done something that no person has been able to do in history, in world history. The data, the record level data, the safety data for a vaccine, for any vaccine, has never, ever been made publicly available before. Barry changed that through a simple act of self-sacrifice. And so now the entire world has record level data showing whether the vaccines are safe or not. And I've obfuscated this data, so not even the New Zealand Ministry of Health can say that, oh, well, you disclosed someone's records. And at least they're honest enough to admit that, that the data is fully obfuscated. Nobody's privacy, like, I mean, because we wouldn't, we certainly wouldn't want to breach the privacy of a dead person. I mean, that would be, that'd be just horrible. I mean, that I've, I've, I've spoken to a lot of dead people and they'd be horrified if their, their murderer was identified. They all want the killer to go free. And so none of these people want their their records to be made public. Um, but we've made effectively the anonymized records public. And so the New Zealand Ministry of Health actually should be saying, hey, no, there's no problem here, folks. There's we have we have nothing to hide. They should be saying, hey, everybody can use this data. We verified that it is statistically the same as our data, and it shows that there's no harm with the vaccines. The problem, though, and the reason this is so significant, is that it reveals the truth. It reveals that the New Zealand Ministry of Health is complicit in hiding the fact that the vaccines they recommended have killed over 10,000 people in New Zealand. And so... There are two important things here. First is we've never had access to the truth before in history. This is a, every country in the world has kept this data secret for no reason. They've kept the public health data secret from the public for no reason, because there are no papers in the medical literature that say if that, that if you release public health data to the public, you get worse health outcomes, right? This You can only get better health outcomes because you know whether a vaccine is going to be helpful or not. So he, number one, leaked the data that shows the truth. And number two, the truth shows that the New Zealand Ministry of Health has been complicit in killing over 10,000 people in New Zealand alone. It's over 100,000 people in the UK and it's over 600,000 people in the US, and it's over 13 million people worldwide. That's what Barry did. He showed that these vaccines are killing people to that extent. He is a hero. So, which is, of course, why they tried to shut him up. Uh, So that basically means it's quite feasible if you include the vaccine injuries as well, including mine, 
that the vaccines did more harm than the original disease, bearing in mind that a lot of people who were cited as dying from COVID were going to die anyway, actually. They just happened to have COVID when they died. Oh, well, you know, if you just look at deaths alone, <laughs> this the vaccine has killed many times more people than COVID has. So you don't even have to talk about the injuries. The injuries are like, you know, and these, you know, the thing is that these vaccines, they have had no benefit whatsoever. They didn't help you from being uh, infected. In fact, they made you more likely to be infected. They made you, uh, uh, it's, it's probably a zero in terms of hospitalization. Um, we can't tell it's somewhere around zero. And as far as death benefit, it actually made you more likely to die from COVID, not less likely to die from COVID, and it made you more likely to die overall from all-cause mortality. So the numbers are clear, and they're all pointing in the negative direction except for hospitalization, where it apparently made no difference, which is, you know, interesting, surprised me. Um, but certainly for, for deaths, it increased the risk of, of dying from COVID and it increased all-cause mortality. This was the dumbest intervention of all time. Yeah, I mean, the, the 13 million people worldwide. I mean, when has a government, when have world governments killed 13 million of their people in oh, well, just a well, few years? Even, even World War II didn't do that, except uh, uh, possibly in, in, in the Soviet Union. The question I've got for you then is, Who's going to be held accountable? Oh, in New Zealand, probably Barry will be held accountable, you know, because you can't expose the truth in New Zealand. Wait, exposing the truth in New Zealand is a crime. <laughs> you know, you can go to jail for it. Barry's the perfect example. So the, the people who are perpetrating the crime, they go free. This is, I mean, it, it, it's upside down in New Zealand, apparently. You, you report a crime and... They treat you as a criminal and people doing the crime are treated as as the legitimate, uh, uh, you know, we, we did nothing wrong. And that's see, the thing is that the, the tell on this is that when you when you listen to the New Zealand Ministry of Health, they talk about, oh, Barry's uh, not competent and da, 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 da. And it's all about Barry. It's all about Barry. It's not about the data. They never, ever talk about mm. the data at all. They never say, oh, well, Mr. Kirsch's analysis is flawed because we, 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 we did our own bucket analysis and we got different numbers. They never said that. They never said my bucket analysis was wrong. And they never said that the interpretation of the data was wrong. So, they, and I've challenged them publicly. Hey, let's have a debate with your epidemiologist. You know, if I'm wrong, you know, you know let, let's have a chat. Because I have world-class epidemiologists on my side and world-class risk experts. In fact, the number one expert on vaccines and risk in the world has said, this shows, this confirms the, the, the death signal in the UK data that these vaccines are killing people. There is no doubt um, Harvey Risch, uh, one of the top epidemiologist in the world who's looked at this data says the same thing and the other epidemiologists refuse to look at the data Thank what is that you. i really i'd really like to have more time with you we're definitely going to return to this this does seem like bombshell news with implications it is 
for the entire planet, actually, and for what was done to us and what should be done to us. One would hope and perhaps be determined to find people to be held accountable, which would be just about every government in the world. Uh, thank you so yes. much indeed. Uh, it's a very, very shocking revelation. And uh, I do say rather ominously, David Kelly in the United Kingdom, who many believe was going to show that uh, the Iraq war was fought on a false premise, died mysteriously in woods. Uh, that's Steve Kirsch. Uh, I wonder what you think. Uh, I'll get some of your calls and comments in as soon as I can. Coming up next, we stay with the dystopian theme. What is transhumanism and why should we be worried about it? Laura uh, Bowley will join us in a moment and tell us all about that. I'm Len Topic. This is TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, of course, the biggest story in climate right now is Vice President Kamala Harris leaves for the climate conference with the biggest carbon footprint in history. She's heading to Abu Dhabi or whatever for COP28 in Joe's place with hosts under fire for wanting to push oil and gas deals. Do you know why there's so many people there? Because they realize what a scam this is and they're trying to push oil and gas deals. Anyway, she left and there's 400,000 people expected there. Now, do you really believe that those 400,000 people are all interested in eliminating fossil fuels? I would say there are quite a few of them, given Abu Dhabi is in the Middle East and there's a lot of oil in the Middle East, that are seeking to do business because they know what a scam this is. And let's see, at its head, Sultan Al-Jabbar has denied reports he's using meetings at the summit to make side deals on fossil fuels produced by the United Arab Emirates. I'm sure he's smart enough to probably be doing that. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather, even if we can't go over to Abu Dhabi, because it's the only weather you got. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go, but I did ask for help, and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there, providing hot meals, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. To learn more, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. Limbit Opic. This is the Limbit Opic Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Welcome back. Lambert Opic here for another 15 minutes. Uh, we've been talking about the dark stuff today. Uh, why are the United Kingdom population being prepared for who knows what? Why is the man who has whistleblown on the clear increase in deaths caused by not COVID, but vaccinations against COVID New Zealand being pariahed and shut down, I think we can guess. Next, we're going to talk about transhumanism, but just a couple of comments here. Uh, Malibite says, Boridar or Tony, the whole world is a tinder keg at the moment and the people could rise anywhere. And when they do it, it will go global. Uh, Holly says, good guy, Steve Kirsch. That was my previous guest. I totally agree. Uh, Lozzy adds, the truth is getting out. They can't hide it forever, but they'll try, Lozzy. They'll try because there's so much vested interest, just as there is with the climate scamdemic. If you just watch any of the coverage from the UAE, so many interest groups, all with their nose in the climate emergency trough. Let's do keep your calls and comment, the comments coming at tntradio.live, but let's go to this fascinating subject. 
What is transhumanism? Joining me now uh, is uh, Laura Aboli. He's she's the founder of the United Democratic International Movement for Awareness and Freedom, a UK entrepreneur, and uh, knows more about transhumanism than perhaps most of us. Laura, thanks for joining us on TNT Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Let's start with the core question here. What is transhumanism uh, in lay terms and, and why should we be concerned about it? Transhumanism is an ideology, a philosophy, if you will, a belief that actually we can probably stand back to the beginning of the last century. Back in the 1920s already, there were essays written. There was a very infamous one written by John Bernal in 1929, where he already spoke about the conflict that humanity would be faced between what he termed the humanizers and the mechanizers, which are very much the transhumanists versus people like myself that are fighting for the future where humans will continue to be humans. Um, the term transhumanism was actually termed by Julius Huxley, brother of of the very famous Aldous Huxley, author of Brave New World. Very curious that he was the one to term transhumanism. And if we fast forward to today, what we're seeing is transhumanism really becoming very mainstream. And the reason why I'm trying to raise a lot of awareness to the topic, it's because those that we consider now the, the globalist elite are transhumanist themselves. If we listen to Klaus Schwab, founder of the World Economic Forum, he speaks of the fourth industrial revolution, which is very much what we're kind of living at the moment. And he speaks of it changing not so much the world, but us, and then goes on to explain how technology is going to go under the skin. Uh, people like Yuval Noah Harari, one of his top advisors, has been speaking around the world, talking about how COVID was critical in convincing people to accept surveillance under the skin. This is very concerning to me because these are the people that are really pulling the strings at the moment. So in, in simple terms, transhumanism could, in one version, be the robotization of, for example, the human body. We don't know whether we can transfer consciousness. Maybe some people do, uh, but we do know that we can add bionic parts to humans. Is that the concern that we become a, a meld between man and machine or person and machine? Exactly. Transhumanism, the whole philosophy stands on the fact that they believe that unless we merge with technology, we will not survive the future. That's what they either believe or want us to believe. In my opinion, it really all boils down to control. It's not about making us better, about making us superhuman. It's about making us controllable, making us one more thing in the Internet of Things. This is why there's such a big push to digitalization of everything, digital IDs, CBDCs or digital wallets. You know, they want to centralize everything. And we must be one more of those components in a digital world. The danger of becoming a digitalized hybrid between a man and machine is that we can be remotely controlled. That's the whole purpose of digitalizing everything is that there can be remote access to everything and in the future to ourselves. This is really, really dangerous, as you can imagine. In other words, considering the threat of cyber attack, we were discussing this earlier on in the show here on TNT Radio, and considering the threat of that, in a transhumanist environment, it would actually be possible to launch a cyber attack or a state-sponsored attack to shut people down. 
Exactly. In, in, in the most extreme of cases, that is potentially possible. When you can remotely access some sort of device that's been implanted under our skin, you can affect our psychology, you can affect our biology, and by definition, you might be able to basically switch us off in, in, in some way or another. I think it's very concerning and very, um, the, 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 the idea that they have of human beings. I read an article last year where a transhumanist, someone that works in the Future for Humanity Institute with Nick Bostrom, author of the uh, theory of simulation. This woman was referring to humans as ape-brained meats of sa sacks of meat. You know, when you are talking in those terms about who we are, you can think that they are capable of anything. If that's the insulting, very materialistic, very reductionist concept that they have of humans. I mean, do we really want to be in the hands of these people? I don't think so. One of the worries I have is that transhumanists, and now I understand the, the phrase, I can say I've met some, they actually consider this to be the way to essentially assure your immortality. Of course, that immortality is difficult if the universe ends one day, but instead of living for 80 or 90 years, they could live for thousands of years. And this seems to be an aspiration for some transhumanists. And I'm not comfortable about that, Laura. I'm not either. And I think what it's very important for people to understand, we all want to live maybe longer and we all want to have better health in our later years. But immortality, we're talking about a digital immortality. I mean, do we really want to be digitally immortal? I don't, for once. And even the concept of remaining alive in some sort of hybrid between man and machine for thousands of years, it really doesn't appeal to me. But it speaks again of the concept that they have, very erroneous concept that they have of humans. They don't believe we have a soul. They don't believe that there is a spiritual realm. They don't believe in God. These are the people that are pushing this agenda. And if they were some fringe minority of nerds in some background lab, well, we could ignore them. But we're talking of the people that are the, you know, the big tech, big pharma uh, bosses of the world that, and as we have seen, the world is really moving towards a very technocratic type of existence at the moment. So we we really must pay attention and we really must resist every step that gets us closer to that dystopian future. And the digitalization of everything at the moment is one of those things that is really leading us down the wrong path, in my opinion. Uh, I'm thinking about the implications in a film called The Forbidden Planet, which is an old film, the monster in the id destroyed a species which did digitalize itself because they hadn't considered the darkness in the character of, of those beings. And more recently, of course, we've had uh, much conversation about uh, OpenAI, a UK-based company, I think, where the rumor is they've got dangerously close to dangerous AGI, which is uh, artificial general intelligence, or a form of consciousness. What happens, Laura, if we upload ourselves somehow, but we upload the virus that makes us fight at the same time, the virus that makes some people territorial, the mindset that causes some people to try to dominate others. 
Well, and this is exactly my point. It really is about control. The moment that we try to upload our personalities or our brain uh, into some sort of interface between humanity and, and a machine, we are, like I said, completely controllable. And they can probably switch off certain human traits that really makes us who we are. You know, I think, again, this very, there's been a, a real tsunami of AI all of a sudden. And it's, it's really permeated throughout all sorts of things right now, AI. And it's very curious to see that it's the same people that are actually producing this, this AI that are warning us against the, the future problematic situation or the dangers of AI. And I, I think it's part of the psychological brainwashing or the psyop of making us feel less than we are, making us feel like we're never going to be enough in the face of a world mm. driven by AI. And this is all to get us to accept that transhumanist sort of ideology going forward. They want to make us think we're just not going to make it because we're going to be inferior. We're going to be less. And there's this constant, constant brainwashing to make us feel hopeless and helpless and frail and weak and having to be fearful of viruses and fearful of the weather and fearful of each other. This is all to diminish us to the point that we believe like they do, that unless we merge with technology, we're just not going to be able to survive the future. It's nonsense. I think it's time that we understand that we are powerful beings. Laura, uh, let me read you some things that have been said here. Uh, everyone's finding what you're saying very interesting. Uh, Just a bloke says, we all thought that robots would be computers made to be like humans. The reality is that robots are humans being computerized. The word, ro the word robot apparently comes from the Russian word robotnik, which means worker. And Jethro says, perhaps rather uh, prosaically, most people are already switched off. <laughs> uh, my, my concern is that we're opening a gateway that we don't understand. And once it is opened, the concept of uploading human weaknesses as well as human strengths is quite terrifying. And the third point, you said that, uh, and we can't get into a theistic discussion now, but the whole assumption is there's nothing greater that all there is is the physical universe, which I dispute. Uh, I've done research myself to show otherwise, actually. What's the worst case scenario in your case, in your view? The worst case scenario, and I think the greatest threat at the moment is genetic manipulation. I think that there is a much greater barrier for people to overcome when we're talking about the implanting of technology under the skin. That's that's a, a big step for people to accept that for most people, although they will continue to drive us in that direction. But I think genetic manipulation is the greatest threat because when we're talking about nanotechnology, nanoparticles and uh, injections like we have just seen, um, you know, after COVID, where everything is mRNA, it, it becomes very easy to take small steps towards altering our genetic code. And that is part of transhumanism. There's, there's, you know, the CRISPR technology where they can pretty much cut and paste our genetic code. When they start messing with our genetic code, which in my opinion is, is, is 
you know, sacred. We really should not be, uh, you know, fumbling with these things. But th these people are delusional and they are playing to be God. This is what they want. And they want to sell us this, this concept that we will become God. And the words again of Yuval Noah Harari, homo deus. They want to sell us that we're going to be these superhumans and super gods. I think we really must understand who we are before we believe that becoming something else is the answer to the future. It's not true. I think we have a long way to go in becoming really who we were meant to be. And we are really wonderful, powerful, divine beings with a soul and with a connection to something so much bigger than us. They want to cut that. That's what they want. They want to sever that connection because then we're totally and completely controllable by them. Thank you. Your soul shines through, Laura. I really want to have you back soon to talk about developing story because I think things are happening we may not know about, uh, which are taking that, us in that direction. That's Laura Aboli. I wonder what you think. I'm certainly going to return to this. Big thank you to her. Thank you to all of our guests today. Quite a concerning set of subjects today. Uh, I'm going to be back tomorrow. Uh, coming up next, it is Katie Hopkins uh, with her own unique take on the world. Uh, as I say, if you've got some views on this, please do share them. Uh, and we'll certainly return to these subjects because they're going to affect us all, uh, whether it's the UAE and the cop out at COP28, or whether it's uploading ourselves into the robot world. Thank you so much uh, for your humanity. Thanks to the gallery. Thanks to the team. As I say, I'll be back at 0700 GMT tomorrow. Don't be late. This is Lembitopic on TNT Radio.